Now, according to many Bible-skeptic internet warriors, the Bible is an evil book. Does the Bible condone slavery? This week on Creation Magazine Live. Get ready for faith-encouraging information starting right now. And for even more, visit creation.com. Welcome to Creation Magazine Live. My name is Richard Fangrad. And I'm Calvin Smith. All right, this week on Creation Magazine Live, our topic is, Does the Bible Condone Slavery? Now, actually, we're going to tackle a whole bunch of other issues as well, like does the Bible condone uh, child or human sacrifice, rape, murder, etc.? Right. You know, CMI frequently receives emails from Christians, and they're kind of troubled by these anti-Bible websites kind of lurking in the darker corners of the Internet. Yeah. And what they do is they take certain passages out of context and basically accuse God of being morally corrupt. Um, now, they do this by referencing Scripture that they say demonstrates this in, in the Bible's commands and the actions it records. Now, of course, Christians shouldn't be surprised that unbelievers would attack Scripture, and it shouldn't cause us to doubt our faith, because these attacks on the Bible are almost never new. Right. And the, the, the ones that they've come along, you know, in, in modern times, they're usually even more incompetent than the ones skeptics used in the past. Right, yeah. <clears throat> the, the, the kind of websites, Cal, that you just mentioned, uh, usually have a pretty exhaustive list mm -hmm. of the passages that non-believers object to, right. so we may not get to all of them today. But what we do deal with should serve as a basis uh, for the refutation of the typical claims that the Bible condones morally bad behavior. Right. And you can maybe get ready to jot down some of the Bible references so you can uh, look them up later. We'll go pretty quickly here. Right. Well, let's start with child sacrifice. There is no passage where God condones child sacrifice. In fact, some of the worst condemnations come to those who sacrifice their children. And archaeological evidence shows that it was usually infant sacrifice to Moloch. And we can see this in Leviticus 18, 21 and 22 to 5. And also in Jeremiah 32, 34 and 35. In the Bible, human sacrifice is detestable because it falls under the category of murder of an innocent human being, which right. is also, yeah. always condemned. But skeptics cite a number of passages which they say where, where God condones and even commands human sacrifice. For example, Genesis 22, 1 to 8. Uh, one, one, of course, is uh, the passage where uh, Abraham is ordered to kill his son Isaac okay. as a sacrifice. All right. Now, anyone that has read the account, of course, sees that this is a test of Abraham's faith and that God actually stops Abraham from going through with the sacrifice and provides a substitute in the form of a ram. Right. And this, of course, has incredible parallels to the gospel message where God actually does sacrifice his son Jesus later on in, in history, of course. And, of course, Jesus is part of the Trinity. He is God, so it's actually a self-sacrifice of sorts. The right. sacrifice that God sacrificed himself. Exactly. Yeah, you know, this has all very deep theological implications sure. about the yep. coming Messiah, the Savior, etc. Um, you know, but, but to the point of human sacrifice, God never intended it, it to happen, right? right. Uh, of, course, the, of course, in the atheist mind, the fact that God never intended it for Abraham to, to kill his son, doesn't let him off the hook. It's still an incredibly horrible thing for someone to do, the argument goes. And had Abraham lived in modern times, of course, he'd be arrested for child abuse. Sure, yeah. <laughs> but there are a couple of things to consider here. Uh, by this time, Abraham is an old man, and Isaac is old enough that he could have struggled and gotten away mm -hmm. if he wanted. The fact that Abraham was able to bind him and put him on the altar suggests that Isaac was cooperating mm -hmm. with the whole thing, a self-sacrifice as well. Right. Now, second, Abraham himself 
didn't expect Isaac to die, or, or at least he didn't expect him to stay dead. Right. Uh, Abraham told his servants that he and his son would return. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abraham knew very well that Isaac was the son through whom God promised to build a great nation. Mm-hmm. So the only options were that God would provide another sacrifice, which is eventually what happened, right. or that God would resurrect Isaac. Right, and, and that's supported in the New Testament as well. Sure. Right? Yep. Um, Hebrews eleven seventeen to 19 says, By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he, was, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Yeah, so let's look at another passage skeptics like to attack. Exodus 13, verses 1 and 2, which says, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whichever is first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. Now, the average rational person would have... Uh, trouble seeing what this has to do with anim- with uh, human sacrifice, right. so the atheistic argument must be spelled out. Apparently, the priests are threatening to kill kids unless they are redeemed with a burnt offering. But this isn't the case at all. Right. Um, the firstborn males are consecrated to the Lord, which means the firstborn males of the clean animals are destined to become burnt offerings, and the firstborn males of other animals and of humans must be redeemed with a burnt offering uh, of, of the clean animals. The atheists seem uh, to unanimously ignore the context and symbolism of this consecration. It's, it's wrong to criticize something you, you haven't even investigated and don't really understand. Right, but there's more. How about Leviticus 27, 28, and 29? where it says, But no devoted thing that a man devotes to the Lord of anything that he has, whether man or beast, or of his inherited field, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is is most holy to the Lord. No one devoted, one who is to be devoted for destruction from mankind. Right, but these two verses, uh, they refer to different situations. In the first instance, a man has made a vow to give something over to God, perhaps a, a family member or an animal or a piece of land. This is saying that, that he can't pay to get out of, of, of keeping the vow. Verse 29 refers to a person devoted to destruction which is a person who's committed a capital offense. So, uh, you know, under the law, must be killed. Neither of these is a human sacrifice. In the first case, um, the person would face lifelong temple service, and in the second, it's capital punishment. Right, yeah. No list of Bible atrocities would be complete without the case of uh, Jephthah's daughter Mm. in Judges 11, 29 to 40, uh, which can be summarized when, when Jephthah says, If you give the Ammonites into my hands, whatever comes out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites will be the Lord's, and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. Right. The story says that he promised whatever he saw come out of his house first, he'd sacrifice. She came out, and the text says that eventually he did as he had vowed. And this, skeptics say, is proof that the Bible condones human sacrifice. Okay, well... Uh, They're ignoring the text. Again, Mm -hmm. it's not surprising here. Uh, Firstly, it isn't God who tells him to do this. Mm -hmm. Uh, As mentioned, human sacrifice is never condoned by God. So no matter how you interpret the ending, you can't blame God for human sacrifice because of this story. 
Yeah, and the, and the verse we mentioned uh, from Leviticus 27 can give us some clues here. Clearly, Jephthah didn't think it would be a person that came, would come out of his house first, yeah. right? But uh, that verse talks about uh, a differentiation between things being devoted to the Lord, whether men or beasts. Beasts were sacrificed while people served in the temple their whole life. So many believe his daughter wasn't sacrificed, but uh, you know, she was devoted to temple service, and there's a lot of clues why, actually. Yes, like the vow was public. His daughter would have known about it. This means it's possible that she was the first one out of the house on purpose. Uh, second, even if Jephthah had intended to make his daughter into a burnt offering, the Levites would have been extremely unlikely to allow that and warn him against it. Thirdly, and most importantly, the fact that Jephthah's daughter was much more concerned about her perpetual virginity than the end of her life strongly suggests that she was dedicated for lifelong temple service, not as a burnt offering. Yes, and as mentioned before, the book of Judges, it's all about how bad Israel became right. uh, you know, when they forgot God and there was no king to enforce the law. So this might just be another example of the Bible reporting something that it, it doesn't condone. Right. Um, regardless, once again, the skeptics' claims are false, and we're going to have more of this when we get back. On this week's episode, we're talking about does the Bible condone slavery and other bad, atrocious things, etc.? Right. Does the Bible, that's saving message, transform the very fabric of Western world countries it took root in because it taught the intrinsic worth of mankind made in God's image? Does it teach bad things? I, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know it kind of sounds funny to... to uh, you know, to us, but, but those who haven't studied the Bible, really, and, and, and what it teaches, and, you know, haven't, haven't really studied history, of course, it can be confusing for right. them. Right, yep. You know, for example, a lot of times the Bible, it, it's simply recording bad things that, that had been done, some by God's own people, yep. but, but things he had not commanded them to do. So some of these critics' arguments are kind of like saying, you know, if a reporter is covering a murder trial, well, then that, that re reporter must have committed murder. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For example, in the book of Judges, uh, the book of Judges records a lot of atrocities mm -hmm. that it doesn't condone. The whole point of the book is that there was anarchy and that the nation of Israel got worse and worse when they forgot God and had no king to rule them. Mm -hmm. In Judges 21, for example, 10 to 24, it records an incident where some of the people from the tribe of Benjamin went and kidnapped women to be their wives. Now, these women became the wives of their abductors. Mm -hmm. that, that doesn't make the incident right or honorable by mm -hmm. any means. Right. That being said, the incident doesn't imply rape. Mm -hmm. uh, it implies kidnapping and forced marriage. Yep. Regardless, the Bible doesn't condone it in any case. Right, it's, it's reporting what happened, it's but it's reporting. not saying that yes. God says this is what you're going right. to do. Yeah. Now, while we're on the topic, uh, what about rape? Does, does the Bible support rape? You know, let's look at a few passages. We'll start with uh, Deuteronomy 22, 28 to 29, which talks about a law dealing with the consequences if a man rapes a woman, in particularly a virgin who isn't betrothed. Now, in this case, the law says that he has to pay the bride price and take her as his wife, and he can't divorce her. Of course, skeptics uh, rightly point out that an innocent woman shouldn't have to marry her rapist. Yeah. Right? Now, to understand the reason behind this law, it's necessary to point out a few details. First, 
the Hebrew word here that we normally read lies with her in English is simply the word to have sexual relations with. Now, some English translations simply interpret this as rape. Mm -hmm. In the ancient world, women were closely guarded by their families. In related passages, we read about whether a woman has cried out or not, being, not when being with a man, uh, a clear reference to whether she was being raped or it, or it was consensual. Right. Yeah, and, and in those uh, other cases, if the woman cries out, the man is killed as a punishment for rape. Yeah. She's, she's, yeah. she's resisting this, right? So what we can see here is that uh, this is a case where a man and a woman Hey, they have consensual relations, and the law is basically to keep them honest here, so to speak. So you might call it like a, like a shotgun wedding. It, it's not rape at all. It was consensual. Right. Now, Deuteronomy 22, 23, and 24 describes a, a different situation, which furthers the point. Now, in this case, a man has sexual relations with a betrothed virgin in a city. Like the former case we, we, we just talked about, this law uses the word to have sexual relations with again now some modern translations mm -hmm. assume that the meaning they assume the meaning rape but this is not in the original mm -hmm. this refers specifically to an engaged woman who are engaged women who are inside a town in the ancient world uh, engagement was uh, legally as legally binding as marriage right. and required a divorce to cancel. Mm -hmm. Now as closely packed as ancient towns were she would be helped if she screamed, cried out, uh, yeah. as closely packed as they are. Since she did not scream, the conclusion is that it was not rape, but adultery, and so both are punished. That's right. So a good rule of thumb here is for people to look into what's actually being said in the Bible in context before jumping to conclusions. Helpful tip. You know, <laughs> and you can understand some of the problems here, right? If you consider yeah. that, you know, these some some English Bibles actually you know use the term rape where it shouldn't be. I mean that's obviously going to confuse people, and There's then you got to dig yeah. into the original languages and, and and kind of look into it. But you know many Christians they they just don't do their their homework. So you know when somebody stumps them and comes up with this and quotes rape from the, the scripture, you know it catches them off guard, and then you know they, all of a sudden they're they're thinking oh boy, and they're starting to doubt you know God's character, etc. Right. I mean. One of the, the funniest things about this is you've got atheists who are attacking the Bible and questioning God's character, his moral character, when in fact in the, in the atheistic worldview, if there's no God, no ultimate lawgiver, there is no ultimate law yeah. or moral standard. Yeah. So how then can you be criticizing when you don't have a standard by which to criticize God with? Yeah, and as you can see, again, the skeptics are wrong. Now, the Bible is often criticized for allowing slavery, but the biggest mistake that, that critics usually make when discussing this, when discussing slavery, yep. is using the word slavery to mean something that it doesn't mean in the Bible. Yeah. I mean, the Bible condemns what we call slavery today very clearly and, yes. and calls it man-stealing in, in, in the Bible. We can see that in Exodus 21:16, where it says, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Now, you can't get a harsher penalty for, for stealing and selling a man into slavery than losing your life. Lose your life yeah. <laughs> so it's clear that the Bible doesn't condone what we call slavery. Right. The Bible condemns the acts of, one, man-stealing, so that's kidnapping someone, taking them against their will. Two, man-selling, so that's buying and selling people 
and three, man-holding in the Levitical law, uh, that's keeping slaves. These are all acts done to people against their will. Right. And this is the key to understanding the whole debate. Absolutely. The Bible does condone indentured servitude. Right. Now, there's a big difference between indentured servitude and slavery. So it's a mistake to view the, uh, the institution allowed in the Bible as equivalent to the slavery of, of Africans in American history, for example. These were people captured against their will. Indentured servitude was an arrangement when it, where a poor man or someone down on their luck could enter into a work contract with someone to survive in a situation where he probably wouldn't have in a, in a far less civilized era, you know, before we had government welfare programs or, or these types of things. Right, yes. In, in a time when, when healthy governments and, and grocery stores and police forces, uh, etc., weren't exactly <laughs> commonplace, yeah. indentured servitude would be preferable to begging, starving, etc., uh, especially when some forms were more equivalent to modern-day employment, employer-employment relationships, than what we think of as slavery, what's called slavery. Right. But, of course, some of the critics, they, they still like to point out, point out some of the harsh treatments for these people that were allowable under certain conditions. But they kind of seem to forget that many of these folks, you know, they would have been ruffians, criminals, the, the down-and-outers, so to speak, yeah. that you'd actually allow into your home with your wife and your children, and you, you took care of them along with the rest of your family responsibilities, etc. So, you know, we're so far removed from this type of living in, in the West now that we, we often have these kind of rose-colored glasses, uh, you know, kind of ideas of what, what life is, is and, and what it should be like, etc. But it wasn't until the West was Christianized, so to speak, that true civilization and equality for, for everyone took, took root. Yes, we can see the, the rank hypocrisy of atheistic attacks on the Bible pretty clearly. Slavery was an evil that occurred on all inhabited continents, and all races have practiced it and been its victims. Mm -hmm. The word actually comes from uh, a, a heavily enslaved white race, mm -hmm. the Slavs, mm -hmm. and it, it was finally abolished almost exclusively by evangelical Christians in the West using explicit biblical reasoning. As non-Christian historian Robert Kenney said, he said, having for most of my life believed that our acceptance of equality, racial, class, gender, was the result of the overthrow of past superstitions and prejudice by reason, I was perplexed. Why had the fight against slavery and the concern for Aboriginal peoples been so overwhelmingly the province of religious? Hume, Voltaire, and Kant saw the African, the non-European generally, as beyond the category of human to which the European belonged. Race concerned them, particularly Kant, uh, only to the extent that it could show the superiority of the European. It was not the philosophies of Paris or Edinburgh or East Prussia who fought slavery. It was from the evangelical revival that the loudest claims for what we now call racial equality came. Yet, who do the anti-theists, you know, single out for, for the evil of slavery? Well, it's typically yeah. the Christian West. Right. <laughs> so what's the conclusion yeah. here? I mean, we could have tackled a lot more of these objections, but you've probably got the point with just these few. Hopefully. Most critics aren't being fair with the text when they use these 
really bad arguments. Yes, uh, atrocities, uh, atrocity lists in the Bible aren't, aren't only so much a product of bad hermeneutical skills right. as a complete lack of knowledge about the social context of the passage, and even basic reading skills for that matter. <laughs> but uh, in the feedback section today, we're going to talk uh, we're going to read portions of a letter from a vocal critic of CMI, Creation Ministries International, Mr. Robert Howard of New Zealand, who gave permission for his full name to be used. Now, by his own admission, uh, from other correspondents, he is an atheist lacking any scientific qualifications, and he seems uh, proud of that. <laughs> well, this letter continues his practice of criticizing CMI without first bothering to find out what... Uh, uh, we actually say, because many of his objections, including in this letter, have long ago been answered on our website, and uh, we'll only have time to read the small portions of his letter and, uh, and our answer, but anyway, here's his letter. Most of what you write I treat with amusement, but your article suggesting evolution led to racism is outrageous. Did you know the Dutch Reformed Church, one of your Christian churches in South Africa, upheld apartheid? In spite of all the Christian churches in the American South, I don't recall reading of any outcry against slavery before the Civil War. Where were the churches of God and uh, of God-fearing Christians during the segregation in the South and the earlier part of the last century? The truth is, your Christian churches upheld a lot of racism. In the 19th century, it was thought evolutions, evolution meant humans ranged from the Englishman at the top of the tree to the black African at the bottom. But that was a time of a lot of scientific ignorance. During the last century, scientific testing of people showed there was no difference between any humans mentally and only minor physical differences. You might have read in the last few days that studies of DNA have shown even less difference. There might be more difference between two people of the same race than between two people of different races. Science has done more to kill racism than anything. Bob Howard. All right. Well, uh, Dr. Jonathan Sarfati tackled his points, and here's a sample. Now, Bob said, uh, your article suggesting evolution led to racism is outrageous. And uh, John, uh, Jonathan responded, it's a historical fact, as we have amply shown in the Q&A section, racism, uh, the leading evolutionist Stephen Jay Gould, an atheist and Marxist, as well as an anti-racist, wrote, Biological arguments for racism may have been common before 1859, but they increased by orders of magnitude following the acceptance of evolutionary theory. Right. There's the response. Yep. Now, Bob also said, did you know the Dutch Reformed Church, one of your Christian churches in South Africa, upheld apartheid? To which uh, Jonathan answered, uh, yeah, we know that. <laughs> However, the, uh, the DRC's seminaries had accepted theistic evolution, effectively denying the authority of Scripture. The Bible speaks against racism regardless of any way in which people have misused it. Any good philosophy can be and is misused to support evil. But sound exegetical principles make it clear that it is indeed misuse. Right. Conversely, racism is consistent with evolutionary theory. Uh, for example, the atheistic evolutionist Sir Arthur Keith wrote, The German Fuhrer, as I have cons uh, consistently maintained, is an evolutionist, for he has consciously sought to make the practice of Germany conform to the theory of evolution. Right. Okay, so there's a response for that. Mm -hmm. Now, Bob also said, uh, Science has done more to kill racism than anything. And Dr. Sarfati replied, mm -hmm. Science can tell us... Uh, 
tell us that all humans are the same, but it can't tell us that we ought to be treated the same. Nazism flourished in the most scientifically advanced nation on earth with a third of all science Nobel Prizes awarded up to that time. So. Right. You know, th these kind of feedbacks are great for, for Christians to educate themselves with because yeah. oftentimes yep. if you're not used to somebody and you get an, a, an atheist that gives you kind of a bold, you know, a kind of aggressive uh, attack on the Bible, well, these are great ways. You go to our website, creation.com, and you can see lots of these uh, types of rebuttals. We'll see you next week on Creation Magazine Live. We'll see you then. Today's episode was originally formatted for broadcast TV and is available online at the links in the podcast show notes. Both are produced by Creation Ministries International, publishers of Creation Magazine. For more information for the accuracy of the Bible, visit creation.com. You can also donate to the ministry at creation.com slash donate. And thanks for listening.